into college, there was moments where I was, I could get into the flow state doing mathematical proofs, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't, it wasn't as fulfilling. It wasn't as interesting necessarily. There was times where I wanted to do math more than I wanted to do videos. Oh, Isaac, my friend, you and I could not be any more different in that regard. (laughs) I hated math. I still hate math. Hello, fun people. I'm Isaac Carlson, and welcome to my podcast. Here and across the internet, I'm focused on spreading magic by discussing Disney, movies, and the art of animation. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. First of all, Isaac, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busiest schedule to talk with me today. I am so excited to be talking with you today. I know you and I... We actually spoke a while ago through a mutual Discord server for another podcast. So to have our paths cross again, talk again, I really appreciate it. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. I put a call out to my community asking what podcasts or creators should I collaborate with? Uh, your podcast came up and so I was super excited to see that you had availability because I love being able to do these shows um, where I can just talk about Disney and come at it with a different perspective and have a fun conversation all about it. Talking Disney. Yeah, you're at the You hit the right podcast. Welcome to the neighborhood. We have Dole Whips. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great to hear. We we are set. We got Dole Whips, Mickey Waffles. Maybe we'll get some balloons going. We're in for a good time. Oh, good. Good. Happy to hear it. On my last trip to Disneyland, it was too cold to have Dole Whip. So I'm glad that, you know, now I can finally have some. Exactly. We're, we're in the right spot. We're good here. So first question I want to ask you, I ask every one of my guests, okay? When did mm-hmm. you first start to love Disney and what is your earliest Disney memory? So the most distinct beginning a moment that I remember loving Disney was going to Lilo and Stitch in 2002. So I kind of like remember going to that movie. It's the first movie I remember seeing. And the fact that it was Lilo and Stitch, a movie that like means a lot to me, even all these years later, as a kid, I loved watching the series. I would record all of the, experiments that Lilo and Stitch captured and what their names were and everything like that. So that was a really distinct memory, but it all began before that. Even I went to Disneyland with my family in California. Uh, Before that, I think it was in 2001. I think I was three years old and there's footage of me and Buzz Lightyear clothes and man, I'm trying to think of what other things, but there's, there's so many instances that were integrated into my childhood of being around Disney that it really felt like an inevitability that I would <laughs> end up being a Disney fan. Uh, my parents kind of say that like they were integral in helping me uh, build kind of my YouTube career because they were the ones who introduced me uh, and especially like brought me to Disney world. Uh, as when I was in elementary school, it was, it, they were the ones who kind of like introduced it. And I, I just latched on to it and it's been, it's been how my life has been ever since. <laughs> what was your earliest park memory? 
the most distinct park memory was from my first trip to Disney World. We went to Hollywood Studios and the big bad ride was Tower of Terror. And I I went on it at four years old and I was like stunned, but I thought it was awesome. So I did it again. And my parents were so shocked and awed by me going on Tower of Terror twice that they bought me like this t-shirt that was for much bigger kids uh, that I grew into over the years. But there's a picture of me on um, Hollywood Boulevard waiting for a parade, wearing that big shirt with my dad. Um, And that's like, I don't really think I remember anything else from that trip, but I remember walking out of Tower of Terror for the first time, like white faced, and like scared by the whole experience. But now it's still one of my favorite rides. Isaac, I can tell you without hesitation, you were a much better kid than I was. I (laughs) then and still today as a adult in my 30s, avoid Tower of Terror as much as possible if I can help it. I appreciate it. I appreciate the theming of it. Mm-hmm. I I love that it's, it's a Disney classic as far as ride in the park. I acknowledge that wholeheartedly. That said, my ass ain't going on that ride. No chance. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's fair. It's a pretty intense ride. And at this point, I find it very entertaining to watch the little kids get freaked out about it as we're like in the queue room and going in. I've I've heard a lot of kids getting freaked out and their parents try to convince them uh, to make it through. And, you know, the thing is, is I I always enjoyed rides. I was okay with being scared by it. So I I always feel like it's worth it to go on it. So I, I hope the kids that get freaked out or the the passionate 30-year-old Disney fans enjoy every time they do. Hey, how you doing? Going on it. <laughs> I have a passionate 30-year-old Disney fan, just not a Tower of Terror. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so from that start, being introduced to Lilo and Stitch mm. and Tower of Terror to today in 2022, what does Disney mean to you? Hmm. I think to me, what allows me to keep coming back to Disney is the lens that Disney has on the world. And I think that's the thing that continues to resonate with me. The idea that we can all go out and see magic in the world, pursue our dreams, make a difference and be amongst a place and characters and stories that have a strong backbone of good triumphing over evil. They're being a strong, positive and optimistic view of the world. I think those things are difficult to find at times. And so to me, it feels like not only an escape at moments, but also a positive way to view the world. And I think that's something that continues to resonate with me. And especially over the years, as I've also opened up my eyes to the greater world of animation, um, 
and other parks like Universal uh, and their stories like Howard Trainer Dragon and Shrek. I think it's the idea that even if we're flawed people, we can make a positive impact in the world and have a positive view of it and make it through um, better people at the end of it. And I think that, so that's what continues to have a big impact on me with Disney is that childhood, somewhat innocence, but I think innocent optimism in the face of a complicated world. Um, That's what I think is so special about Disney. I love that explanation. That's honestly probably one of my favorite answers I've ever gotten when I've asked that kind of question. So thank you for that. That's it's also interesting that you say that Isaac, because for me personally, Disney has helped me triumph uh, as to use that word that you used heroes triumph. It has helped me triumph through different adversity in life and helped me when I needed Disney to be there. So the fact Mm -hmm. that you say it as innocent, almost escapism in a way Mm -hmm. through a very complicated world is very accurate. Yeah. I, I'm glad that it resonated with as well, because it's something that like I've thought a lot about, especially as I've been a few years out of college at this point, And I continue to focus on creating YouTube videos about Disney and movies and the art of animation. I I've wondered like, what is my role in the world? Is this something that's making a positive impact for me? And one of the things I've thought about is the fact that would I want this content to exist? Like, do I want the types of videos I make where I break down characters and come up with theories about animated movies? Would I want this to continue in the world if I wasn't making it? And the the answer is yes, because I remember being a kid enjoying YouTube, watching videos like this about Star Wars or Pixar um, movie franchises. And I still watch videos like that. And a part of the thing that connects me to Disney after all these years is that thematic backbone that exists in Disney's best films. Um, And like the parks at their best is when, um, well, the parks and the cruise line, which was a new thing that I experienced recently is when it's like this immersive world where you can escape into it and see or be reminded of the best parts of being alive and being able to see the magic. And I, I really feel like there's, there's true value in that. That is something that's more internalized to the people that understand it and care about it. That can be, that's difficult to explain to people that are outside of it. Um, And I think there's been so many different discussions in the past about the analogies from Disney to other things. Like, I think the strongest one is sports. Like there would be a lot of devastated people if the NFL and the NBA disappeared. Of 
because it's something that connects with them so deeply and they pay close attention to it. And it's like a bonding activity with friends. And I, and there's like destinations to go to and merch to collect and all of these things that allows you to feel like a part of a community that allows you to, you know, like witness the triumph of heroes and people see that in athletes. Right. And I feel like we get to experience that as Disney fans watching Mirabelle, Lilo and Stitch, um, Beauty and the Beast triumph over the dark situations that they get into. Now, I definitely cannot follow that analogy. That was fantastic. (laughs) My goodness. So considering I can't follow that, let's talk about one of the other cool things that we get to talk about today. Your social media platforms, Instagram. I looked all this up. So if it changed in the last little while, that's amazing. And I hope so for (laughs) better, obviously Instagram, Mm -hmm. you have over 15,000 followers. TikTok, you have over 272,000 followers, a staggering 796,000 followers, subscribers, sorry, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And all of that is not even mentioning your podcast, your Patreon as well. So you have a magical, I guess, the first word that's coming to mind is empire. <laughs> but I feel like that's a bit too on the news considering stores. But what was your motivation for starting your platforms? How did you become a Disney YouTuber? What is what's the Isaac Carlson story? Sure. So the way that it all began was me being on YouTube in the early days of the platform. In 2007, I had been watching YouTube uh, for a few years and I stumbled upon a video during the craze of Spider-Man 3. So I really was excited for Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 4. I wanted that to happen. So I was watching tons of content and like fan trailers and fan creations on YouTube. And I watched a video of a bunch of kids recording themselves playing with action figures to make Spider-Man stories. And I, that was the wake up call, the realization that I can make my own videos. So in the summer uh, of 2007, I got a VHS camera and got these shoe boxes and decorated them and used my Spider-Man action figures to start making videos. Then over those years, I just kept playing with it. I took a summer school class to teach me how to do stop motion which opened me up to like Windows Movie Maker um, in more detail. But then over the years, I just kept making videos for school projects. And my own like stop motion films was the main thing I was doing. In 2012, what happened was I decided I wanted to make a dedicated channel uh, for myself. I had made a different one before that, but this is the current channel that I have. And I called it Watso videos. And the idea was, is that it could become and grow and change into whatever I wanted it to be, because I wasn't sure what videos I was going to make, but I just wanted to go and create in a direction. So I started posting star Wars videos, kind of the initial video I made was about master Saifa from star Wars. 
because it was a character that was casually mentioned. And I did some research and I was like, if I find this interesting, I bet there's other people that are wondering the same question. And over the next few months and years, that first video got 50,000 views. Wow. Which was a realization that other people are interested in this like I am. And so I was kind of embarrassed about it at the time. Star Wars wasn't very mainstream. I was a guy who was, um, you know, into Disney and movies and the theme parks and everything like that. But it didn't feel like a very cool thing to like in Wisconsin. So I kind of kept it hidden. And also being a YouTuber was kind of a dorky thing to do as well. Like no one was making videos or aspiring to be a social media star at the time. But the thing that pushed me over the edge to start creating on a more frequent basis was something my friend told me from my cross country team, who I'm still friends with today. He told me, um, if you succeed at something, no one can make fun of you for it. So that was the realization that if I, since I'm already getting some kind of traction that there's already people that are watching, I had 300 subscribers at the time that um, if I became a big YouTuber, there would be nothing to like really make fun of. And now it's kind of adjusted to the fact that it's like, you don't need to have success to be confident in what you're doing, but it was just the realization um, at the time that this was something that if I did well, and I was confident about that I could keep going with it. And so I started posting once a week in January of 2016. Um, and by the time I moved into college at that in fall, I was at a thousand subscribers. And then it kind of just kept going from there where I kept making more videos a week in college. I started posting two videos a week um, and it just kind of kept going from there. Uh, to the point where after I graduated from college, I realized that this was something that I could continue to do full time afterward. And so I've just kept creating um, and finding new franchises and stories and characters to continue to keep diving into and finding uh, new topics to enjoy and new platforms to create for. I've really been grateful that the push has been uh, short form video content because I never understood Instagram previously. <laughs> I, I'm a video guy. Like I'm a movie guy. So right. I, I think it's much more fun to consume things um, that are visual based, especially when it comes to movies. And so I've, I found it to be an absolute pleasure to be able to dive into and learn so much and share my passion for, animation and all these characters and stories that I grew up loving and that I'm continuing to fall in love with uh, that are continuing to be released by Disney DreamWorks and all of the other amazing studios that are out there. So, so much to unpack from what you just said. And <laughs> Cause I had another, I have a bunch of questions obviously prepared, but I want to touch on what you just said, Isaac, you can't forgive me if I mistake the quote. Nobody can make fun of you if you're successful about it. Is, is that the quote or did I flub that? <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, that's that's pretty much the the gist of it. As close as to it as I can remember. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, I love that mentality because it's also one of an underdog mentality, and who doesn't love a good underdog story, especially in your case, Isaac? Dare I say, humbling a success story. Like you said, you went mm-hmm. from nothing to 300 subscribers to a thousand to the numbers that I mentioned before the, the staggering 796,000 I have in your background. I see a silver play button from YouTube mm-hmm. that that's earned. You, you didn't get that by accident. You got that through hard work and that's, that's pretty darn cool. If I may say so myself. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of work, but it was, was something that I was always drawn to. Um, and I think that's something that I've reflected on as well is the reality that I was always pretty naturally inclined to enjoy and uh, succeed in school. So like when I went into college, it was kind of a mentality of like, I could kind of go in whatever direction I wanted to. And a lot of my friends were studying engineering and science. So I studied math. That was what I went in for. And reflecting now uh, years later, there's still kind of the idea where it's like, well, I can go in whatever direction I, I wanted to. But the thing that I continue to think about and come back to is the reality is like, what is the success that would be the most satisfying or would be the most impactful for me and kind of the thing that gets me the most excited is the idea of being able to succeed having my own production or media company that's able to talk about disney and connect disney fans um and empower them to be unafraid of being passionate about what they love i'm all for that dream i fully support that dream and the fact that the encouragement for people of all ages, I think the, fr- the phrase is for the young and the young at heart to be unafraid, unapologetic of their love of the magic. Really? Mm-hmm. What is your favorite part about being a YouTuber and a content creator? Is it that rewarding mentality? I think the best part of being a creator is the fact of being able to dive into a topic or a project or an idea that is really exciting. And when like all the pieces fall into line where it's something that I was really excited to make and it was something that audiences on YouTube were really excited to watch. And it's just like such a fulfilling process. Something that I've been searching for a lot is getting into a flow state where like time is able to just kind of disappear and you're able to just like completely focus into something and not be distracted. And it's been the most fun to get into that state with YouTube uh, and talking about these movies that I care about so much because it, it's so natural at times to be able to jump into and easy to get back into because it's something that I'm interested in. Like again, in the college, there was moments where I was, I could get into the flow state doing mathematical proofs 
but it wasn't the same. It wasn't, it wasn't as fulfilling. It wasn't as interesting necessarily. There was times where I wanted to do math more than I wanted to do videos. Oh, Isaac, my friend, you and I could not be any more different in that regard. (laughs) I hated math. I still hate math. (laughs) Respectfully, but oh boy, no. (laughs) Oh, no, I I think you're in the majority in that sense. I don't think most people would choose to dive into that subject, but there was moments where it was, it was very cool and fascinating. Um, But there was but typically the work day in and day out isn't necessarily what I wanted to do. Right. Uh, and I didn't double down to it. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't become a teacher's assistant. I didn't do research. Really. I was more engaged in the entrepreneurship program at, during college because that was helping me learn more about how I could continue to be a YouTuber long after I was done with college. It right. really opened up my eyes to the fact that, beyond creating a following, how could I allow this to be a career? How could I transform myself into like a smart entrepreneur and do this as something um, full time? And that, that elements of it really resonated with me more. And I, I was involved in competitions and clubs and courses around that really just because I was interested in it. But YouTube is something where it's like, I continue to learn about it and study it. And it's never not fun to find the movie that I'm the most interested in at the time and find, find an interesting topic to latch on to, to share about. What is your favorite topic that you have covered and what is one you still want to cover? Mm, Let's see. Favorite topic. There's a variety of videos that I can think of that get me excited. I think videos that are the most fulfilling are the ones that were born out of pure passion for the topic. And then like we're able to blow up and help me go down a new direction. For example, there is a video about Cinderella's stepsister, Anastasia, who has a whole kind of redemption arc in the following two films. And I wasn't sure if that video was going to do very well, but it was one that I was really excited to share about. And that video did really well. And so that's super satisfying. And another one was I did a video about Master Uguay from the Kung Fu Panda trilogy. And that was another one where it's like I watched these movies. The movies really resonated with me. I wanted to talk about this character that was kind of mystical and had a big backstory to him. And when that video did super well, it opened me up to being able to talk about this whole different universe. Since this is a, a Disney Parks focused podcast, the what there's one like Parks video I really, really want to do that's like not necessarily get tip or trick or anything like that. It's I want to make a video about it's a small world is in the wrong park at Disney World. All right. So, so I need to mark this clip. This is a hot take. Yeah. Why on earth here's, do you say this? <laughs> here's the reason. I, I've, I've thought a lot about this. I think that it feels sad. The idea that peace among all the children in the world is in the fantasy land 
when there's a whole park dedicated to innovation, unity around the world and exploring different cultures in Epcot. I think that it's a small world's message resonates much more in a park like Epcot, specifically Epcot, because there's already a celebration of countries around the world and the fact that we should celebrate and explore the world more. And so having a message where it is possible and reasonable to believe that the world is small and that we should all be together in peace should be exist at that park instead of immersed in a fantasy world. I have never heard that take before. I'm definitely intrigued to a degree. You just convinced me, but at the same time, <laughs> I'm a magic kingdom purist. So I can't take mm -hmm. it out of magic kingdom, but I understand that I get where you're coming from. See, and my argument would be leave. It's a small world in Disneyland. That's the original. You can keep that one there as it is. Okay. In fantasy land. But then, like, the other thing that I thought about with this is the fact that if you brought it to Epcot, like, I think it should be the biggest one with the, like, if it's coming to Epcot, it, which is like a constant World's Fair idea. Right. Like, it should be, it should have the biggest facade. It should have, like, the most characters. It should have, like, the longest track. And it should be, like, the biggest and baddest version because Epcot is already massive. Like, Where would you put it, it in Epcot? Be then? The grand celebration of It's a Small World. Where would you put it in Epcot? Um, what my thought is so, you know, the current building that's being used for festivals? Yes. It's like off on, yeah. Well, currently, that is right before the World Showcase. But currently, it's part of the the neighborhood that's world celebration. Right. And so I think that's the perfect place because it's celebrating the world and is at the dawn of all the other countries around the world. Okay. I think it's a perfect spot. And I even think they should have the big pole that was at the original World's Fair out there as like a beacon to that to that ride. And I think it would I think it sounds awesome. You know, a while ago on the podcast, I talked about with another guest, I guess, like dream attractions or like if you can create an attraction based on an IP, what would it be? So the fact that you just went and imagined or reimagined Small World in Epcot is is pretty cool. Thank you. Was not convinced when you first said it. Mm -hmm. I am more convinced now. But like I said, as yes. far as Walt Disney World, I'm not saying I disagree, but keep yeah, keep my Magic Kingdom pure. <laughs> I mean, that is fair. The other thing is part of the reason that the idea came up was like, first it was, well, I want a bigger tangled area. And so the, you know, because we have the tower in the bathrooms. Oh man, you're about to come is, for Tangled, like, Isaac. You sure? <laughs> Oh, I love Tangled. I think Tangled should expand. Um, 
And if it's a small world could be moved and updated and be the biggest, baddest, it's a small world in the world, which it should be because like, there's a lot of uh, really cool iterations of, of it. Um, but also by moving, it's a small world that could mean that the current location of it's a small world could be a tangled boat ride. And then Pinocchio's house could become the snuggly duckling, which would allow it to be a whole tangled land on that section. All right, you win. Which I can. T- you win. Yeah, <laughs> that did it. Yeah, doesn't that sound awesome? <laughs> you win, sir. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right. Lastly, what are some tips you would give to someone starting out as a social media personality, influencer, whatever you like to call yourself? As far as this topic goes, I mean. Sure. Well. I think the thing that's the most important is to find a medium and a message that you want to share about frequently. That's also something that you believe other people would find value in. Mainly, I think the best um, or the easiest thing to create about is the thing that you believe should exist in the world. Like in my case, With more reflection, I've realized that there were a lot of people talking about the lore of Star Wars. There's a lot of people talking about the lore of comic books like Marvel and DC. There's a lot of people that were doing theories about Pixar. But there weren't a lot of people doing that for Disney animation. And still today, there really aren't. And there aren't people that do that for DreamWorks or Illumination in a major way as well. There's a lot of people that do movies in general that will touch on Disney and Pixar and different things. And there's also a ton of people that discuss the parks from a variety of different points of views. But for me, what I really wanted to talk about and share about and that I resonated with, like I kind of talk, like think of it as like all my basement talks that I had with friends in high school is like what was one of the things that we talk about a lot is like Marvel, Star Wars and Disney. Right. Um, And so I felt like this is kind of the manifestation, the formalization of it. And the thing is, is I had been making videos since I was a kid. Um, So it was just kind of like the perfect crossroads of grew up as a Disney fan who made videos. um, And there was a gap on YouTube and there still is for people to talk about Disney animation. And so it kind of became the perfect storm. So finding something that you like to create on its own, finding a topic that you feel like you want to explore in your own way and then making it on a consistent basis. Perfect. Perfect. So switching gears some about a year ago, you did what many people say they want to do. Admittedly what I one day want to do. (laughs) You moved to Orlando. Tell me about the process. What led you to it? What's your favorite thing about now living where dreams come true? The way that it kind of happened was like, it started from a point where I was, I was in a low point. So after college, I got into a long-term relationship uh, right before kind of the pandemic began. And throughout the pandemic, the relationship ended obviously the pandemic going on. And that was a very stressful period of time. And then my lease in my college town, which I had been done with college for a few years at that 
point had ended. So I moved back home. And being at home for a few months, I realized that the world was returning to a state of normalcy. I didn't have any major connections to my home state of Wisconsin because I didn't have a career that was bound there virtually. And I didn't have a long-term relationship and I wasn't in school anymore. And so I realized, especially once I started to look at where should I live? I kind of want to be in a larger city around more people my age and different things like that. I realized that the price wasn't that different between um, the big cities in Wisconsin and Minnesota versus Orlando. And I realized that if I was going to go make the leap, I wanted to do it while I was young and I didn't have these ties. And so I wanted to go take a leap of faith and at least get to say that I went and tried to live in this place that I had been visiting um, since I was a kid. And it kind of came down to, should I move to California or should I move to Florida? Because there was Disneyland and Hollywood and the creator industry, but there was also Disney World, the place where I had grown up with, um, and everything to do with like Imagineering uh, and Universal. And, you know, it was the theme park capital of the world. And what I ended up with was Florida was where I grew up. It felt like home already. It was uh, more affordable to move there as well. And it was closer to home. It was a shorter flight, easier flights home too. And so it just felt like a natural place to get my feet with, with um, moving beyond Wisconsin, which was the first time I had ever moved outside of my state, uh, my home state. So it was a, a big transition. I pretty much left all my stuff in Wisconsin, filled up my car, drove down. And it was like within the span of a month, I was like, I told my parents, I think I'm going to move to Florida. I put in an application at the apartment I'm currently at, uh, filled up my car and drove down. And I've been here since December of 2021 now. What is the biggest lesson you learned from that move? Hmm. The biggest lesson. Um, Hmm. I thought like, So here's the thing that I thought was the most shocking. So I never really enjoy moving. I don't find it to be a very fun process. I think it's really difficult to like pack up everything that you've built. I agree. 100%. And move into a different place. I've I've lived in a lot of really wacky and small and tight places that aren't even that nice. But by the end, it feels like home to be like, there's something about it that just draws you there to a degree. Yeah, because it's like you spend a lot of time there becomes your home just by existing there. And what I learned from moving to Florida is like that feeling doesn't change no matter or doesn't increase in intensity of pain, at least for me, based off of where I moved to. Right. Um. Like doesn't it didn't matter how far away I was going to move away from Wisconsin because I was going to be moving away from Wisconsin. It was easier because it was a place I was so excited about. It was something completely new, but I there was a familiarity and like appreciation and love there. Like right. if I 
if there were other places I was moving across the country to, like if I was going to stay in the cold, I think it would have been much more painful. <laughs> um, but going somewhere that I was really excited about, all of the pain of moving remained the same, but the outcome of actually going through with the move felt so much more worth it than moving down the road to a different college right. apartment. Right. Um, that feels like just, it just feels like the same thing, just a different basket. <laughs> like it's just like, you got to move to the sunshine. Past yeah. that. Yeah. You have the sunshine, you have a castle, you have a spaceship earth in your backyard. <laughs> there you go. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I think if it makes sense with like goals and it's not going to come at a major financial strain and stress. If it's something that like you're really excited about doing, I've been a big fan. It's really exciting and fun to like live out that kind of like childhood dream of being able to like casually pop over to the magic kingdom. Just, just cause just cause. Yeah. <laughs> so your advice is take the leap. Yes, I think it is. It's like, if you can find an apartment near Disney world, that's a similar cost to your current apartment. And instead of paying for a Disney world vacation, you just paid the cost of moving. Then you get to be at Disney world for at least a year. Uh, it's kind of how I thought about it. Yeah. That logic. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. So <laughs> aside from, obviously all the amazing content you've gotten to create. I want to make sure I talk with you about this. You, a few months ago, you started your own travel agency. Tell me about it. What inspired you to become a travel agent? What was the process like? I think, I think it's pretty incredible that you accomplished this as well. Oh, thank you. It's been something that's been brewing in my head since the end of college. It came from the realization that I had created this community around Disney and I wanted to be able to create more things to support that community. And one thing that I kept coming back to was the parks. And once I found out the reality that people are able to create businesses around selling Disney travel, I real like it blew my mind and I was like right. hooked on the idea in a similar way to once I found out that you can make YouTube videos and earn money from ads that blew my mind. So it was something that had been lingering in the back of my head. And throughout the pandemic, those, those ideas kind of got delayed. And um, I didn't want to do it out of like stress or desperation or from a like a dark place. You know, I, I'm just trying to fill the time. I'm just like, desperate to diversify how my YouTube business works or anything like that. And so I just took my time. Um, and once I moved here, it was let's push this through the finish line. Right. So I went through all of the training, filled out all the license work, figured out all the partners I would need, set up the website and finally created that announcement video down to the point where the next phase is creating helpful Disney parks content on a frequent basis to be able to frequently support the Disney community, which will also in part be able to bring awareness to the travel agency. But in a similar way to how I felt like I really wanted to support and share my passion for Walt Disney animation. And I don't exactly know how I'm going to do it yet or differentiate myself. 
but I really am excited about the idea of showcasing my lens for the parks on a frequent basis in videos because I, I really want to be able to capture the videos that I watched before my Disney vacation or in the hotel rooms. Right. Like must do Disney. Yeah, it was uh, uh, Stacy, kind of right? Yeah, yeah, with Stacy. There you go. <laughs> what is like, the name, by the way, of the travel of, agency? Uh, imaginative travel. Cool. So um, planimaginativetravel.com is the website that I've created around the travel agency. There you go, bud. You you saw what I was going for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yeah, make it make it clear what the, the plug is around it. Planimaginativetravel.com. And it was something that I had been thinking about for a long time of like, what am I going to call my media production company that makes all my YouTube videos and everything? And I wanted to find something that was able to capture how I saw the world in a simplistic way and i kept coming back to the idea of imagination that it's like you have to imagine your dreams and be able to imagine the magic before you're able to like create it out into the world and so when i created the travel agency it felt like a logical next place to go was imaginative travel that i want to bring you to places that inspire your imagination i love that i love that and i want to touch real quick you said before you want to find a way to diversify yourself. Isaac, you already diversify yourself with your story of growing your channel, of moving to Orlando, of starting the travel agency. Those are things that not many people either. I want to say they can't do because anyone can do anything if they set their mind to it, I believe. But you created for yourself a YouTube career you moved to where you want. You started this brand, this travel agency. You want to start this production company. You've already set yourself apart. I, I truly believe that. Oh, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. So Isaac, going from the lens, seeing it as a guest to seeing it as a travel agent. Now, what would be your top tip for someone to make the most out of a Disney vacation? I think the most important thing is to be able to be flexible. So what I mean with that is like once you're doing the best practices of setting up your vacation in advance, once you're actually in the parks, being willing to accept that sometimes there's a ride that's closed, there's something under refurbishment, this queue time is too long for you, or the fact that you just can't stay at the park the whole day. I'm a big proponent of the idea of staying on property at a room that you can afford to be able to have easy access to all of the parks through theme park transportation, all of the Walt Disney World transportation, and being able to stay immersed in the magic, and then rope dropping your favorite attractions in the morning when the wait times are the shortest, going back to the hotel in the afternoon to take a nap or just relax or going to the pool and doing that after lunch and then returning at night for all of the spectaculars because it allows you to have some moments of relaxation, but also optimize the time where the queue times are as short as they can possibly be and gives you access to every, all of the main things you want to be able to do. But in between those moments of rope dropping and relaxation or the nighttime spectaculars, being willing to be patient 
with the difficult logistical realities that are going on, being patient and kind to cast members and just enjoying the little moments that you have being able to walk on Main Street or soar on Soren or you ride Tower of Terror or get to see a lion during the Kilimanjaro safaris. Like just to be able to take in those moments once you've done all of the best practices. Everything you mentioned, all those moments for many make up some of their favorite Disney memories. So we talked at the top, Isaac, about your earliest Disney memory. Now I want to ask before we play a little bit of a game, what is your favorite Disney memory? Ooh, Disney parks memory. What is the story about it or of it rather? There's two that really stand out to me. Um, okay. The, the first was getting this plush when I was in third grade. He's on my desk. The, my, my Jedi Mickey plush. Hey. It was, it was, the force it was with really you. cool because it was like a blend of Star Wars and Mickey Mouse. And it was a souvenir I got my last day. And it's kind of been a buddy and a reminder of like the joy that I get from Disney that I had that I was like really sentimental to me at this point. And at first I was like, Oh, I don't need him. I don't need him. But now he's kind of been a constant friend and a a reminder of all my family trips. The other moment that I think is one of my favorite moments that immediately came into my mind was seeing happily ever after for the first time. It was a really cool moment because I was going on a family vacation with my family, but I had also got invited to promote this game, Kingdom Hearts 3 at Walt Disney World. Just a little um, game. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was like a game series that I had loved for years at that point. Like I'd started playing when I was in sixth grade. And so in 2019, I got flown with my brother to go cover the game. He got to be my videographer. So and one of the things we got to do was we got to go and have the dessert party at the Tomorrowland Terrace. But the real special moment of it all was seeing Happily Ever After and like being there with my brother and like the whole focus of the fireworks show. For those who haven't seen it, the main focus of it is to go out and create your Happily Ever After. And it was just a really affirming moment for me after making videos for years. And finally having like this really cool opportunity, getting to share it with my brother, getting to be in my favorite park and then getting to see this fireworks show. That's like still my favorite fireworks spectacular that I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's so moving. I cry every time I watch it. Like it, it was just. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I'm so excited. <laughs> you and me both. Oh my oh. goodness. I am so excited for Happily Ever After to come back. I love that story. I love that moment. I especially love Kingdom Hearts 3. I enjoyed it at least. I know some mm-hmm. people didn't. One of my best friends, he loves Kingdom Hearts as well. He would, when it came out, Kingdom Hearts 3 was coming out, they mm-hmm. announced a special edition PS4 Pro, I think at the time it was. And both of us are texting... Dude, did you see it? Oh, my God. Needless to say, we both ended up getting it. <laughs> just just because I have a pop figures, uh, not on me here, but I have from the Tron level of Mickey, Pluto, and Goofy in their Tron. 
mm-hmm. outfits, which just to come full circle, I can't wait to ride Tron as well next time I'm in the parks, as I'm sure mm-hmm. you, presumably. I mean, you can you can go right after we're done recording and go ride Tron if you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I got to do the a cast member preview for it. I was able to go on it already. And I, I think especially if you're a big Tron fan, you'll you'll enjoy it. It's a very fun, fun ride, especially for people that understand and are passionate about Tron. So two Mickey gloves way up for that for Tron. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a great addition to Tomorrowland. Awesome. All right. So I have a little game for you, Isaac. Very simply, it's okay. called Disney This or That. I give you two options. You choose your favorite. Sound good? Okay. All right. Yep, sounds good. Mickey or Minnie? Mickey. Donald or Daisy? Donald. Woody or Buzz? <laughs> Buzz. Yes. <laughs> Space Mountain or Splash Mountain? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that that's a tough one. I, like, I could go into detail about all of these answers because I've definitely thought about them a lot. But I think, I think Splash Mountain. Okay. So I, I really, yeah. Yeah. I really, I really like it, but space mountain is really good. It's, I just really like music and like the whole story element of it. Oh, the music on both attractions is top notch for sure. Mm. Tower of terror or rock and roller coaster. Tower of terror. Haunted mansion or pirates. Pirates. Test track or Soren. Ooh. So Soren. I like radiator springs racers. <laughs> uh, more than test track. I so that's that's my favorite iteration of the of the technology. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, wishes mm. or illuminations? Ooh. Uh, wishes. Monorail or ferry to the Magic Kingdom? Monorail. Unless you want to get there quickly, then take it. <laughs> take ferry boat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dinosaur or expedition Everest? Uh, expedition Everest. Spinning teacups or Dumbo? Dumbo. Mickey pretzel or Mickey ice cream bar? Uh, pretzel. Be your guest or Cinderella's Royal Table? Cinderella's Royal Table. I'm curious why on this one. Okay, so I, like at first I was like, well, I really like the theming of Be Our Guest, but there's something really cool about going inside the castle. That's like something that's really special to it. And for sure, knowing you're going to get to meet Cinderella while there. True. Very true. All right. Main Street Electrical Parade or Spectro Magic Parade? Um, I haven't seen Spectro Magics, which means Main Street Electrical Parade. Polynesian or the Grand Floridian? Polynesian. Rope Drop or Kiss Goodnight? Uh, uh, rope Drop. You're a morning person. Yep, I definitely am. All right. But I, I go to both extremes. Are you a morning person mm-hmm. when it comes to Disney or in your everyday life as well? Um. It's I've went through my waves in like high school and college. I was a real big morning person, but now I kind of I kind of pull from two ends. Like my my ideal is kind of like waking up early, doing a bunch of stuff, taking a breather and then going back to it. Okay, just kind of like riding the wave of it. But like I was just at Disneyland and the way I did it was I rope dropped. I was I stayed at the Disneyland Hotel, so I was able to get into the parks at like 730. So I'd get in there at 730, leave at noon sleep until like four o'clock and then go back till like midnight. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Start in Canada or start in Mexico at the world showcase. You know, 
I'd, I'd say Mexico, but I am also not strongly against Canada because they've got the maple popcorn um, <laughs> and you get closer to. It goes back to the food. Yeah, yeah. You got you got that kind of good food. You're closer to Remy's. You're closer to the Skyliner on that way. So uh, closer to Japan. The, that store is so fun. So I, you know, I, I don't I don't hate either direction. <laughs> OK. <laughs> Would you want to start at Animal Kingdom for your day or start at Hollywood Studios for your day? Animal Kingdom. Okay. Would you rather pin trade or pin collect? So pin trading or pin collecting? Oh, pin trading. Do you have a favorite pin? Um, hmm. Let's see. What? Well, one, I don't know if it's my favorite, but one of my, the pins that I think are is the coolest that I own is I went to D23 Expo in 2019 and signed up for Disney Plus. So I have like a Disney Plus founder circle pin. All right. I would say that's the coolest pin. You got it. You win (laughs) that one. All right. Would you rather ride every ride and meet no characters or meet every character and ride no rides? I'd I'd ride all the rides. No question. (laughs) No. No. I, I... I really enjoy having the photos, but I'm not, I'm not, the, I don't always love having all the, the interactions. I, I like getting the hug and then the picture, but I don't, I don't always love the interactions. So I like, I like the rides more They're They feel more comfortable to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Enchantment or happily ever after? Happily ever after. I was going to be shocked if you had a different answer. All right. Would you rather travel back in time to 1955 and visit Disneyland on opening day or travel forward in time to 2055 and see what Walt Disney World will be like then? Forward in time, 1000%. You want to see what it's going to be like? The only reason to go back to the opening day would be able to see Walt in a Disney park. Okay. With your own eyes. I think that would be the real compelling thing. But everything else I've heard about Disneyland on opening day, it was a bit of a mess. And so I think I would really, I think I would be much more interested to see what 50 more years, yeah, like 22 more years of Imagineering would look like. Yeah. All right. Stay a night in Cinderella's castle, or would you want front of the line access for any ride for a month? Cinderella castle, thousand percent. Mm -hmm. Last but not least. Walt Disney World or Disneyland? Oh, that's the dark question. That's the that's the <laughs> tough one. Um, I think Disney World still feels like home to me. So I, I think I'd go Disney World. OK, Isaac, thank you so much again for taking the time out today. It has been such a pleasure, such an honor getting to talk with you. Uh, like I said at the top, you and I got to talk a while ago through mutual friends and a mutual chat server, but it was so great getting to talk with you again today. So I am so excited for it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. This was super fun. I appreciate you having me on, and I, I really uh, enjoyed getting to share a bit about my story and a bit more about my passion about Disney. I love it. <laughs>